be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Come, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. How can this be, since I've been with no man? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power from the Most High will overshadow you. And the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Teenage girl, much too young, unprepared for what's to come. A baby changes everything. Let me done to me, according to your word. Not a ring on her hand All her dreams and all her plans A baby changes everything A baby changes everything
changes everything and if you notice there's somebody missing the baby the historical record of the birth of Christ can be found in Matthew 1 18 to 25 and in Luke 2 1 through 20 Unlike any other baby, this baby was very different because not only this, this baby was born in Bethlehem, a unique place in history, but he was also created by a human father. He, he was created by a human father and a mother. He was not created, I'm sorry. He had a heavenly pre-existence. He is God, the son, creator of the universe. This is why Christmas is called the incarnation, a word which means in the flesh. In the birth of Christ, the internal, all-powerful, and all-knowing creator came to earth in the flesh. But I want you to focus on the fact that that baby's not on the manger. And this afternoon, I want you to prepare your hearts for one very important question, which I am going to prompt you to pay attention and ask yourself. During this season, we often wish one another the best wishes, hope, peace, joy, and love. For the past couple of Sundays, God has spoken to all of us through the, his servants, specifically on the power of hope and peace. And if those of you have been here or have heard the messages, that has been a very powerful message that God has been talking to us about. In hope, we learned that hope is alive. That hope and faith work hand in hand to make things all possible through Christ. Hope is the dream that faith activates. We learn as well as, as well as Minister Belinda told us, that without hope, faith has nothing to turn into reality. And without faith, hope is but a dream. And in peace, when we spoke about peace and God spoke to us, he told us that because Christ, we have amazing peace in him. We learned that Jesus is in our storm, in our battles, in our challenges. And his word, he promises to see us through other, the other side of our situations. All we have to do is enter into his peace. We learn that. But today we're going to discuss the true purpose for the birth of Christ. In an attempt to answer this question, I am prompt to ask you a very, very important question. What if, 
Jesus was never born. What if Jesus was never born? What if this was a true empty manger? Think about it. What if Jesus was never born? What would it be like here in the re- and in the rest of the world? What it makes a difference, does it make a difference at all? It is a thought-provoking question, right? What if Jesus had never been born? We've been celebrating the last several weeks and ready to celebrate, even in joyful celebration next week, right? But what if he wasn't born? What if he had never been born? Let's take a moment to think about that. If Jesus was never born, what a difference it would make in politics. Our representative form of democracy rests on specific Christian principles of church and state. Did you know that? So do our principles of free speech and religious tolerance. In fact, the very founding of this nation was motivated by the goal to establish a Christ-centered community. If Jesus was never born, there wouldn't be a United States of America, at least the way we know it. Think about that. Education. The world's oldest universities were all founded on Christian principles so that students can grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The same is true of nearly every one of the first hundred colleges and the universities in America. Eventually, people would have developed some institution of higher education, but there would not have been an Oxford, no Harvard, no Yale, and no Princeton. Furthermore, Christians have always been pioneers in promoting literacy and universal education. Even America's public school system, in part, is a part of the legacy of the Puritans' education. To this day, linguistics are working all over the world in the name of Jesus to put native languages in written form and teach people how to read the Bible. If Jesus had never been born, this wouldn't have been possible. If Jesus would have never been born, it also affects literature, music, and arts. Jesus' birth inspired the arts. There would be no Messiah for Handel to write into his famous auditorium. No Christmas music at all. There would be no Peta by um, Michelangelo. And the next one, no Last Supper by Levinci. Leonardo Levinci. There would be no cathedrals in Europe. Look how beautiful they are. When I did this research, I said, this is amazing. No cathedrals. 
There would be no Gospels and no Testaments, no New Testament, and therefore no story of the prodigal son. Or of the Good Samaritan. Or no Sermon on the Mount. And much, much more we would have missed in the music and arts. We wouldn't even have music and art here because we wouldn't have it here. If Jesus wasn't born, it would also affect science and medicine. It was the Christian worldview with its insistence on the rational order of the universal and man's domain over creation that gave rise to the modern science. Followers of Jesus Christ were also pioneers in the art of medicine. The first hospitals were established by Christians who believed they had a God-given opportunity and responsibility to healing the sick. If Jesus had never been born, it was the followers of Christ who first introduced the Roman world to disinterested Bervillians, people who did not care to help others. So it was the Christians who came and created charables and the way of protecting life, including that it was the Christians who came against those societies who made, who made it regular to kill children the first year from the first year that they were birthed. It was Christians who brought consciousness to protection for the children. So what would have happened to children if Jesus Christ was not born? None of these would have happened if Jesus was never born. This is the only, just the beginning, of course, some of the examples, but simply a term to think about if Jesus had not, born, had not been born. But then let me ask you, taking this home, where would you be? Where would we be if Jesus was never born? There wouldn't have been an atonement for our sins. No restoration. There would have been no opportunity for us to get it right. There would have been no hope for eternal life. There would have been no savior to call a friend. Where would you personally be? Now, one of the things that, and before I give it to Minister Lewis, that I want you to think about, we take this for granted, and that's why God put this in my heart. When I was asking which direction, I mean, we've heard all types of stories and, and sermons around, you know, the birth of Christ and, and how we celebrate it and how beautiful the baby is and everything that, that he came to give us. But we never have taken the chance or the opportunity or the moment to think about what if. And the reason this question was so important, and this is the direction that I believe God prompted me to take us through, including me, 
Because I've always often said to you that before he deals with you, he deals with me. Is that how many things and how many times don't we take for granted that this baby was born? Many of us who are here, since our life, from beginning of life, as we were a baby, one way or another, if we had church family who brought us to church, or if we had a TV to watch shows or cartoons or whatever, we always knew and were always introduced to the baby's birth, to Christ's birth, right? So it's become part of who we are. And there's no accident that we take it for granted. It's like water. We take for granted that we go to the faucet and we turn on the faucet and the water is there every single day to wash up, to clean, to cook. But what if, what if you get home today and there is no water coming out of your faucet? Would you take it for granted then? What would be the things that you would be unable to do as a result that you don't have any water? Cook, clean, drink, a lot of things. The same we do with this baby Jesus. We take him for granted. We take him for granted so much that we spend more time buying gifts, get being anxious, running here and there, trying to fix a party for the family. How do we get there? Having arguments over whose family we're going to be at when. Running from one house to the other on that, on that day or those days. That we forget the true reason for the season. What if Jesus was never born? What if Jesus was never born? But thank God that the prophet Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, unto us is given a child, a son. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Thank God. God, that the prophet said that. That the manger did not have to stay empty. Think about it. Think about it. The title of this week's service is The True Purpose of the Birth of Christ. And what I did is I interviewed a few people on regards to this. What's the true purpose? And did you know that just about everybody said, that God wanted to demonstrate, demonstrate his love. That God wanted to demonstrate his love toward humanity. That God wanted to demonstrate his love to humanity. And for a second there, I thought it was just that. But listen to me carefully. God didn't send Jesus to demonstrate his love for us. God sent Jesus because God is love. Amen. He operates, he moves out of love. 
So because he loved us, he sends Jesus. Now what you have to understand is that love, it's an active word. You can't love sitting down with your mouth shut all day long. You can't say you love someone if you never speak to them. See, love has to be demonstrated. Love cannot stand alone. How do we know it's love? Well, we can see that from the beginning. If you look at the book of Exodus out of uh, chapter 34th, the 34th chapter and the 6th verse, it speaks about Moses. And you know the story. Moses is after God and he's after God and he wants to know about God and he wants to get closer to God. And he's kind of like teasing God, you know, who, who are you? I want to know more about you. You know, uh, who are you? How do you move and how do you have and move and, and, and what's your being? So he's after God because he wants to know who God is. In fact, he said, could I see you? He asked God, could I see you? <laughs> and God said, no, no man can see me and live. You can't see me and live. I still want to see you, God. In fact, he even pressed right after that. That's how much he wanted to see God. And that's okay. To the point that God said, okay, I'm gonna, uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, let you get close enough to me, but I'm going to hide you behind a cleft, behind a stone, a rock. And what I'll do is I'll pass by you and my glory will be with me. And I'll begin to declare myself, my glory, my deity, el diateto mio will pass by you and I will declare myself. You know what the Lord said? I am. If you wrap it up, I am love. And he begins to declare a whole bunch of other things. And at the end, he says, then I'm also a consuming fire. But what I want to impart and impact you with this afternoon, early afternoon, is that it was because of God's love that he sent Jesus. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. He emptied heaven. He sent the very best. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. So the manger is not empty. The manger <laughs> has the word becoming flesh. In this baby, the word of God, the everlasting word of God, the word of power, the word of faith, the word that holds everything in place, the word that will never pass, every dot and diddle in the word will remain forever, is in this child, in this baby. The power of Almighty God begins to demonstrate himself by way of this gift. Jesus Christ... Emmanuel, this is God with you and me, with us. God in our midst. You see, in the tabernacle, Moses heard from God that God wanted to be in the middle of his people. So God gets closer and closer to us. And now in the New Testament, he sends his son. Because this is the last tabernacle, sort of speak. He wants to live inside you and inside me. Why? Because he loves you. And he loves me. So he sends Jesus Christ. He sends uh, the child, uh, the baby, Emmanuel, 
the Lord God with us. So here, the manger is not closed. The manger is now open and filled with the presence of God and the word of God. Amen? Isn't that nice? Praise God for that child. Praise God for his son. If you want to clap to God, give him a hand clap. Don't patty cake. Don't patty cake, God. In this child, amen, the governments are upon his shoulder. And this child will grow and become strong in stature. And he will have favor with men. And he will begin to declare and proclaim the word of the living God. Because the word becomes flesh and the word is in him. And he begins now to demonstrate who he is. And he begins to demonstrate the love of God by way of his lifestyle. By way of his lifestyle, he begins to demonstrate love. And he begins to develop character. And he begins to build a name. And he begins to add and bring stuff to a particular name that he then gives to his people that he loves. So in the life of Jesus, as the child grows, we see in the story of Jesus that he stayed back while his parents went forth and went back home. He was still back there speaking and talking with the, the, the rabbonies, the teachers of that day. And the Bible says that he was interested and he even uh, had them dumbfound sometimes because he was God in the flesh, God incarnate. The love of God extended. God touching you. God preparing a way of escape for his people that he loved. God preparing a way of a lifestyle for the people that he loves through his son. God preparing a way uh, uh, for you and for me to address issues and circumstances. He sends his son and his son is also our counselor. And he's preparing his son and all of this and all of these great and good loving things are hinged on his name. Because God is preparing a name through his son because he loved you and he loved me. So in the Emmanuel process, God not only sends his son, but he sends his name, so to speak. Sometimes we have the weapons of our warfare. That are mighty for the pulling down of what? Strongholds. And they're not carnal. But you know what? They operate and they move as you mention and declare his name. Because there's one name that was given to us. Amen. Not only to be saved by. But to declare and call upon God and have things happen to us and move in God. We have to pray in the name of Jesus. We have to ask for anything in the name of Jesus. No demon will listen to anything else unless it's the name of Jesus. You are not going to get healed if you don't pray in the name of Jesus. So everything, even the weapons of our warfare, they operate by way of the name of Jesus. You see how important the name is? You see how important the child is? It's not just a baby. Sometimes we take it for granted. We think it's us. Oh, the story of El Pesebre. And the three kings. Sometimes some people give more value to, to, to the Magi's. To, to the three kings. Especially Latinos. Los tres reyes magos. 
And they don't even know who Jesus really is. In this manger is the power that holds everything in place. The sustainer of life. This child has your end and your beginning all wrapped up in one shot. All of ours at the same time. So when you look at the manger, when you look at Jesus, when you look at Emmanuel, look at it a little different this time around. We got to put this name, we got to put the Lord back on the throne of our lives. Because too many of us have taken him off the throne of our lives. And we're taking him lightly. But for God so loved you and he loved me. That he did not spare this beautiful child, innocent, from going through the shame of the cross and the pain of the cross. He spared him not. Serious thing. I began to think about that and I began to worry. It's a serious thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. See, he didn't spare him for us to take him lightly. He didn't spare him for us to just pass him by and see him as a nativity kind of decoration. Because everybody's got the sun and the decoration of the nativity, but they don't know what the heck is going on. And the devil is on the move. God is saying to us, wake up, shake up. Because your hope and end result, it's in the son of God. If the son is not in you, you're lost. If he did not spare him, it's because hell or the losing of your salvation for eternity and life is a heavy thing. Think about it. He did not spare his son, but gave him up for you and for me. Now, because of this. Because, of, and you know some. just before I get on the other point, you know, some of us, we don't, we, 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 we take like and love and use it in the same category. I like him. I like her. What are you talking about? I like him. I like her. I like food. But I love her. You know, we don't know the difference between love and like. We don't understand what love. We think love is a present. If you don't get a present from your cousin, you, you're going to think he doesn't love you. And we're relegated to that. God is saying, no, that's not the purpose. That's not the true meaning of Christmas. The true meaning of Christmas is celebration of the Son of God. Amen. Celebration of one that came, that was given to us. That was God's gift to you and for me. Amen. That's the gift. That's the reason for the season, like they say. Amen? And he was given a name that is above every name. Amen? That at the name of Jesus, not only do we find salvation. Amen? But in Philippians, if you look at it, the book of Philippians is drilling at us. It's talking to you and it's talking to me. It's talking to us about how we think. God is using Paul, the apostle, to mess with us and shake us so that we can start thinking right. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We can find that in the second chapter of Philippians if you're interested. But I'm going to read 
out of the second chapter of Philippians, starting in verse 5. Okay, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's not a question, that is a command. Let this mind, this mind has to be in you. You have to let it. We're stopping it. We don't let it. We stop it. We don't want to think like Christ because then we got to come to church every Sunday. Because we got to come to Sunday school. Because we got to do so many things that the Lord is asking us to do. To bring honor and glory to him. So, that's a direct command. Let the mind of Christ be in you. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now, you got to understand that the child, Jesus, was co-equal with God. He was the same as God. And he chose to come for you and for me. He chose to take on our shame and our iniquity and our sin. He wasn't forced to do that. He chose because he loved you and he loved me. I will go. And the Father in all his sovereignty said, okay. And he came on our behalf. You need to know that. Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation. What that means is he didn't consider himself as almighty God and powerful. But he narrowed himself. And he put himself in what he created. It's like creating a little box. Shrinking yourself up and going into it. Because God created everything by the word of his mouth. And the word that became flesh was Jesus. So Jesus has the right to redeem everything he spoke into existence. That's why he's getting ready to go to the cross. So he was given and he was born for that purpose. Are you with me? That's why we got to honor him. He humbled himself. Even until death, the Bible says. He humbled himself and went straight to the cross. Because of his compassion. The Bible says he had compassion on the multitude. Because they had nobody to lead them. And when he saw the cross. The Bible says like a flint. He says that's my destiny. That's where I got to go. And that's where he went. His life was geared toward that cross. So we find the perfect love on a tree. Perfect love casts out fear. If you're afraid you don't have perfect love. Because perfect love casts out fear. I don't have the time to tell you what perfect love is, but that's what casts out fear. See, he wrapped it all up in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you got peace. You got strength. You have salvation. The reproach on your life is now taken off because now you're a son and you're a daughter of Almighty God. There's an inheritance. There's a DNA. Death cannot mess with you. You can tell the devil, I command you to leave. And he has to obey because you know how to use the name of the risen king. Amen. Jesus Christ in you. The last tabernacle is our hope of glory. He don't want to be in the tent anymore. Now he grew up, became a man, died on the cross, was risen, amen, from the grave. And he sends the spirit of the living God to live inside you and inside me. That's why we have power. We can command stuff. We can have dominion and we're supposed to have dominion. But we have to understand the process begins here. Because he paid the price. So because he paid the price, 
the Bible says, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, like I said before, and became obedient. Check that out. That's the fruit of the Spirit. To the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. See, God exalted him and has given him a name that will never be beat. The name of Jesus trumps every demon, every situation, every condition, the economy, the world, uh, Iran. The name of Jesus Christ trumps it. The name of Jesus is greater than all that. Amen. Number 10. That at the name of Jesus, it says, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, those on the earth, and even those under the earth. And that every tongue would confess his name, his name, to the glory of God the Father. So he came to establish the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus Christ, there's peace. So today, if you need peace in the name of Jesus, you can get it. He's our great counselor. If you need counseling, if you got an issue, he can fix it. He is called our counselor because he's got the answer for everything. If you need healing in the name of Jesus Christ, there is healing for your body, for your emotion, for your sickness. In the name of Jesus, there is security. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And like we've been saying, his peace we need. And he can give it to you. Not like the world, but like he knows how to give. And his hope of glory is because of Christ, the child who grew up, died, rose again. Amen. And now lives in you and in me. Amen.